Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Monday night special episode of the Big Footy Tiger Cast. Hope you're all doing well, and we're back after another win. Good to, I mean, let's just not worry about the first half. Let's just worry about the second half. It was um, a nice win over there. Good to walk away with four points, uh, which is ultimately the end goal is what we needed. Uh, I know people were talking about percentage, but I think, you know, we've never traditionally been a team to obtain percentage when we need it. But just get the four points and roll on, which I'm sure we'll touch on later about the workings out of, of what we need to happen to make it. But the, the equation is relatively simple. Just win. Uh, and let the rest take care of itself, but that is sometimes easier said than done. Um, EJ, welcome to you, mate. How are you feeling with the shoulder? Yeah, going going really good. I was actually back at the surgeon today. Uh, I think it's two and a half weeks post Rico, and I'm in a really good place. Actually, it's I feel overall compared to the knee, apart from the first four or five days, it's actually been a breeze. Yeah, Very good. I feel great. Good yeah. to hear you going well. And rumours have it that you'll be doing a bit of rehab in the gym to look like the man behind you in the picture. Get the, get the guns out, big Noah's Mate, guns. You could give me all of Sylvester Stallone's steroids and a six-month uninterrupted run, and I ain't looking anything like that. <laughs> oh, we can always try. And um, we do have a special guest with us tonight, and a big thanks to Nick uh, Ririkus, firstly, for organising this. Uh, pick number five in the 1988 National Draft. He wore the number six, 143 games, 212 goals for the Tigers. Chris Nash, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, fellas. It's great to be on. Great to be on board. No, I appreciate you giving up some time to come on and chat about your time at the Tigers, which no doubt, I suppose a large chunk of our audience based uh, is probably more familiar with the 90s than maybe what, what I am because I'm on the younger side. But uh, so everyone seems to love all the 90s players that come on. So this would be a really good one. So welcome to everyone in the chat. Uh, but we'll start off back way back at the beginning. So as mentioned, you were picked number five in the 88 draft by the Tigers. Had you spoken much to the Tigers in the lead up to the draft or did you think you were heading anywhere else? How did it all play out for you? Yeah, no, I did. Um, I was a born and bred in, in Wangaratta in northeast Victoria and um, you, you didn't have a lot of uh, interaction with, with AFL clubs because you, you're a few hours away. But um, uh, at the time it was uh, Kevin Bartlett, Cameron Schwab, um, Barry Rollings and uh, recruiting manager at the time, Doug Vickers, who rocked up at, at home one day and uh, obviously introduced themselves. We had a good chat. Um, they expressed then that they um, liked the way I was playing and whether they had the opportunity to pick me up, they'd they'd seriously look at me so that, at, at me to be picked up. So they really wanted to know whether I'd be interested um, in coming to the Tigers. And so... Um, as it worked, which I was, and as it worked out, um, yeah, pick five, and you could ask me a question on draft day. It's a lot different to today. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you interview <laughs> people uh, um, my age in that era. But um, what what did happen, and I've probably taken one of your questions. Sorry, fella, but this is my recollections uh, growing up in Wangaratta. I was in science. Uh, it was about 11 o'clock in the morning, and... Um, the principal walked in and gave a, a letter to the teacher and the teacher read out that I'd just been picked up by Richmond and that was it. That's <laughs> Back so to class. good. Back to school. Back to class. So, um, <laughs> Back to class. Yeah. Couldn't even leave. <laughs> Jesus. No, and, and the boys, you know, in the class, you know, the Richmond supporters have gone, yeah, like jumped up and down. And, um, yeah, no, that it was pretty funny actually at the time. And, um, uh, yeah, so it was great. How could you possibly focus for the rest of the day on the school stuff, hearing that you've just been picked <laughs> up? <laughs> well, well, I think when I went to school, we, we my mates and I, we, we we really went to school for uh, morning kick and 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 mid morning uh, recess and, and lunchtime. So 
we burst it out of the classroom after that. I think we just went out to kick it on the footy. footy so went, so. that night, you guys, did you go to the Pinson or the Albion that night? <laughs> uh, well, back then the Pinson was pretty popular. So, uh, but I don't know. I can't remember what day it was. Um, but really, I, in all honesty, back then it was just, that was that. That's what happened, and you just moved on. I think I went to local footy training that night, and you know, it, it really wasn't a big deal the draft back then, and yeah, um, uh, not not to what it is is today. But I guess you you work with the the club, and then obviously start talking about leaving home and and all those sort of you know practical things that you need to run through, and then um, yeah, I mean, you put your head on that night, and you think I can't wait, I'm going to be a tiger player, so. Um, yeah, that's where the the the, um, the the excitement start to set in. Yeah. And what were the first few weeks like at the club, and how different was it to what you were used to at local club level? Yeah, I guess um, I actually lived with uh, Kevin and Denise Bartlett for the first month out at out at Waverley, and just just that experience for me was was one in itself. Um, and and KB's kids, you know, obviously they were all oh, gee, I can't remember, probably uh, you know, eight and ten and twelve at the time, something like that. So that 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 was great. So that gave me a little bit of an introduction to the club. And then it's like any you, you join a new 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 organization, you you get trying to get to know the players and you know who you're gonna um click with and who you you know, you're not gonna it's like it's like a classroom, you're not gonna get along with everyone, but you, you have those moments where you click with certain people and um, I clicked with Maddie Knight straight away and we become really good mates um, from that moment on. And then you start to learn about training habits and you start to learn about diet and you start to learn about all the the different things that you don't get that exposure in, you know, in 1988 in Wayne Grady, you certainly didn't get as that as much exposure. Um, and then also you get the opportunity to obviously I live with KB, which was which was great within itself, but then um you know, you, you you meet Francis Burke and you meet, you know, Jack Dye used to float around the club then. Um, and so you get a real feel for the place and, and the club and, you know, understand what makes it tick and you, you become part of the culture, um, That that those early moments. And you mentioned Matty Knights. Was he one of the senior players or one of the players there maybe took you under his wing at the time? Were there other senior yeah. players there that, that took under their wing as well? Uh, yeah, certainly, like, I guess, you know, Richmond's had a phase then where there was the 1980 Premiership players. He had Mark Lee still at the club, Michael Roach, Dar Waitman, um, and a series, I think Morris Rioli just left. Um, and they were, the, they were the senior players. And then you had the middle rung players, um, you know, that had some experience in Michael Thompson and Peter Tchaikovsky and um, Michael Pickering and um, Bomber James, uh, Andy Goodwin. So you had those type of players. But then you had... Um, Matty Knights, Craig Lambert, Trent Nichols, Tony Free, Darren Kieran, those sort of names that, you know, they were the young batch coming through. So I latched onto those guys and and they were terrific. Yeah, learning from from Knight's work ethic and and Freezer as well. And 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 like Craig Lambert was was, you know, incredibly hard trainer. So the adjustment for me was if I'm gonna get a game at this club, I'm learning from these young like these are the standards that you have to to live up to and this is what the whether you're doing a time trial or whatever the case may be this is what the, the level you need to get to so that was you know that was really good eye-opener for me and you made your debut round one 1990 versus the bears at carrara uh what was the moment like when kb told you you'd be playing your first game it was like any i think it was 
I can't remember it exactly other than he shook my hand and said, son, you know, you've had, I had some good preseason games. And he said, you've had a good, really good preseason. You're going to play your first game. So um, I think with that, he, he obviously congratulated me in front of the boys and got on the phone to, to family and, and, and really, um, you know, it was, was great. It was, it was really exciting and I couldn't wait. And I think my mum and dad drove from Wangaratta up to Carrara at the time and, they were there to watch, and and then the game itself was was really different. Um, you know, back then Carrara, we we we, try, we we warmed up in portables. Um, you know, the crowd, you had to run through the crowd. Yeah, you, know, you had hot dogs in your face, you had pots, you had beer. Um, at Carrara at the time, so for me, it was like wow. I mean, it wasn't really like playing at the MCG or in front of a big crowd because. The Bears were just trying to be established, so it was a it was quite funny actually running out on the ground for your first game. And wow, well, I just could have got a, a hot dog in my face or, or anything <laughs> like something lower, even a beer or something. So yeah, it was it was really different. And then the game itself, um, Brisbane, the Bears had a lot of experienced players. Um, you know, like Mark Choco Williams played that game, and and I think Philip Walsh played that game for the late Philip Walsh. So they had some really um, experienced players and. Um, they really outmuscled us and were just too good for us. But it was a really good experience and, um, yeah, loved it. Loved it. it was like, like it was yesterday, gentlemen, our age. It was just like it was yesterday. <laughs> uh, you managed another three games in um, in your debut year. Uh, so you obviously then you think you've got some things that you've got to work on uh, for the rest of the year and through the pre-season mm-hmm. of the next year to establish yourself in the side. Well, can you talk? Were you were you given good structure about what you needed to improve? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think learning from those guys I mentioned earlier, I didn't quite have their their um their endurance. Yeah. Um, like Craig Lambert and Matty Knights and and Tony Free. So I really had to work on that. And I guess playing those four games gave me a really good taste of senior footy. And and I was playing on guys that were much more experienced and had done a lot more pre-seasons than I. So really, upon reflection that year, I just I just um, started training and doing uh, athletic work, I think, during September, because obviously uh, we want to finish last or second last that year. So I started training the second week of September uh, out at Waverley uh, running track with a fellow um, by the name of Dave Douglas, which was who was a running coach at the time, and, and really uh, started to work on my explosion work and also my endurance, and I think I worked really hard for eight weeks, and it put me in really good stead for pre-season. So I sort of done a mini pre-season before our real pre-season, and then we hit the season proper. Um, I'd really learned from from all the hard work that needed to be done, and, and turned into a you know a, a fruitful year in 1991 um, that just made playing footy much more enjoyable. And you you weren't on the fringe because you were super fit, and you knew what was expected to play AFL footy then. Yep. Well, 1991 was the next year and you hit the ground running with a team-high four goals in round one versus the Saints. Despite the loss, mm. you must have been proud of your performance to start the new season and sort of the, the feeling it gave you. Mm. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I just felt I was really fit and um, just, just I was there. and then I think I started to kick goals and uh, the club were thinking me as an on-baller. Um but then at the time, they didn't have anyone to play that half-forward role either. 
Um, Michael Mitchell had had a, a fair few head knocks as well at that time. And I started to kick goals and then, well, I never really left the forward line after that because I was insurance for the club to, as, as a sneaky, um, you know, as a sneaky uh, goal kicker. So um, that's um, that's where I sort of, my career started and ended. I didn't really move from the half forward line after starting out kicking goals and the club saying, no, we need you there to kick more goals every week. So that, And that's how it kept on going. So I think Dale Waitman played on for another year, played on ball and, you know, Freezer, Craig Lambert and Matty Knights held the, the on-ball um, division. So, uh, yeah, that's where I started to kick those goals. Well, so you kicked that the four in that first game. Can you remember your first goal and what it felt like or is that too far in the past? Good question. I can't. I can't remember it. Um, <laughs> um, is it. Was it out of Waverley? Is it? Is it, is it uh, oh, I don't have that information. Could, could, There's a good chance. I, I certainly won. remember the next week. I think the next week we... I do remember we played Essendon maybe the following week. That's very you know, good. It was, it was early on the year, and I think I kicked four or five on Gary O'Donnell. So I certainly remember that. And then I can remember kicking six on Andrew Buse about six or seven weeks later that then kicked me into the um, into the Victorian squad um, from, from kicking. Um, here you go. I've got a message here. Yes, it was Waverley. I was there. So someone, someone has <laughs> sent a message in. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I... I don't remember the way of the game, but I certainly remember Essendon and, and a few other games that year in 1991. It's crazy to kick uh, eight goals in, you know, game five and six of your career. I don't think there's many players who would have done that, to be honest. That's that's some kind of achievement. Um, at the end of 91, though, you'd kicked 38 goals, which is an amazing return, finishing second behind Jeff Hogg. After a season like that, you must have really felt like you belonged to the level. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a, a really pleased with that year, like individually, because, um, yeah, I think Kevin Butler was the coach at the time, and I enjoyed playing under KB. And um, to me, it was preparing well. I started to learn more about preparing well. Um, I think you gain a lot of confidence when you play on an Andrew Buse when he's, you know, at, at the height of his powers, or probably on the decline a little bit. But when you start being really good players, you start to know the craft a bit better and then you start believing in yourself more and wind back the clock. Back then it wasn't so much zoning and, and pressing and it, it was pr pretty much one-on-one -on -one footy. And so, you know, I remember that day playing on Andrew Buse. I think the last three goals he punched me in the back of the head. Um, <clears throat> but it was more um, he wanted me to earn it and, and, and obviously that taught me a lot because at the end of the game he just shook me and hugged me and said, mate, I love the way you played today. Keep it up. But next time I play, I'm, I'm going to make it even harder for you. You know, so it was really, it was fair. It was competitive. It was hard footy. But it generally was one-on-one -on -one footy. And, um, you know, you got to a stage where you, back then you start to analyse, well, I did because I knew I was going to play half forward or forward pocket. You started to think after one week, who are you going to play on the next? And you started to have a plan and how you'd mm. approach them. And that's where you gain a lot of confidence and you can start to understand your own game style and how it's going to beat your opposition player, which... Well, I I I had I I love that. I, that was a lot of fun for me thinking about football that way. So, um, and that's why I enjoyed that year as well. So, like a, a good a good sign of respect there as well that you know you can go through all that crap on field, but then to you know give you a pat on the back and a hug after the game, that's a, a good sign of respect yeah. and sportsmanship too. It, it it in many ways it's like it's how footy was back then too. Yeah. Um, um, and um, the, the current game's great. Back then was great as well. I, I don't yeah. 
differentiate the two. It was just a little bit different. So, um, yeah, it was hard. It was tough. It was fair. Um, well, not always fair with some of the clips we might have seen from, from 90s and pre-90s. But people like that who are genuine champions um, respected the game, respected their opposition, but also he was teaching me a thing about coming into the game as well, which um, I don't think I've ever told him that. But, you know, if I ever meet him one day, I'll, I'll, I'll thank him for that. And there's a lot of players who played at that time will pass on knowledge, even from opposition, about this is the way you play the game. So um, I, I really enjoyed that. And speaking of knowledge, what was it like working alongside Jeff Hogg? I think he kicked about 65 goals roughly that year. I mean, you two were probably, you know, the main focal points for us kicking goals. Like you mentioned earlier, you wanted to move up into the midfield, but the club had different ideas. What was it like working alongside Hoggy? Yeah, Hoggy was smart. Yeah, he was really smart. I mean, you look at players like Hoggy and played a lot of games at fullback as well. Um a lot of people talk about how good Alistair Lynch, Lynch was, you know, all-Australian fullback, all-Australian full forward, I, I think. Like, Hoggy was in the same vein. I, unfortunately, his body broke down on him towards the end, but he could play full forward, but he was very smart. Um, think about Hoggy, he had really long limbs. Like, people underestimate He He could throw his arms out, and it was hard to punch the ball away from him. And I guess that's why he got away with it at fullback too, getting that fist in. Um, so, yeah, he was intelligent. He, he was predictable as well. To the players around him. Um, he's very honest in his approach to the ball, like he'd lead hard. And so there's an air of predictability as to where the ball is going to go. Um, if he didn't get it, you knew where it was probably going to go. So um, I really enjoyed playing with Hoggy and uh, he's now his leadership. Um, he liked fun as well, you know, G the crowd up a bit too um, back then, tried to get some excitement. I think back then too, don't forget, we probably didn't have enough talent, so it was left to too few. And Jeff Hogg was one of those that was a real shining light at the time and and um, led, led by example. So, yeah, no, I really enjoyed playing with Hoggy. And as uh, CB just joined us, welcome, CB. Um, at, oh, the end of 90, at the end of uh, 91, KB parted ways with the club in what was, I suppose, a, a pretty messy affair, I guess. How much of an impact did that have on the playing group? Oh, I can only speak as a young kid at the club, really, at the time, and... Um, it, it was big because obviously one of the greatest Tigers of all time. And my understanding and recollection, you know, KB definitely wanted to go on and he felt he was moulding the group. And I think in, in, in our last game, it might have been against Carlton. Cloakies kicked eight or the second last game. Cloakies kicked eight, one of his last games. We'd won eight or nine games. Like we, we, were, we were tracking okay. Um but I guess the hierarchy made a decision. So as a young player, I thought, well, like I uh, disappointed. But back then, you just want to keep playing. Next coach comes in, you you didn't think too much about. It. Obviously, I thanked KB and was very uh, grateful for the opportunity that he, he he'd given me. But um, it didn't. You, you don't really reflect on those um, moments until you've probably left the club and started thinking, oh, that's that's probably how it happened or why it happened. You don't truly understand when you're a young twenty year old. You just mm. you're just trying to play the best footy you possibly can. And then with that, Alan Jeans was appointed coach for the 92 season. I think we only managed five wins. How tough was the 92 season for you and the playing group? Um, it, yeah, it was. And and I guess the other thing, we didn't really know that he was having a lot of health issues. Um, I, I don't think there was full transparency in that. Peter Schwab did a lot of the heavy lifting that year and would either be at training or would, would coach us in some games, you know, 
yeah, if he's not feeling that well, he'll be in next week. We, we didn't truly understand that he was actually um, under the, the duress that he was under and obviously had an aneurysm um, that year. So um, it, it was tough. Um, but I guess the club started to understand um, and started to understand which players were, were, were up to the level or not as well. Um, and I guess a lot of decisions were made post-92 on the playing list um, leading into to 93. So it was, in many ways, it was a step backwards for the club um, and unfortunately, Yavi's health. Uh, but what we did get from, say, Wayne Campbell or myself or even the names I mentioned earlier, Lambie, Freezer, and, and Nida, if we only got 50% of some of the knowledge for Yabby, it was, it was still really healthy for us young, young guys. Um, so we took all that and, and I think it helped us um, you know, in our development over the next couple of years. So Yabby was a wise bugger and, and uh, we, we actually loved playing for him. He, he was terrific. Um, but, and I do think it helped, it helped set the platform for the, ne- for the next phase for, for the club. <clears throat> so in, in that year, you managed another healthy return of 27 goals and so you've backed up what you'd done the previous year. Um, was that training knowledge... Um, that then that, that you were soaking in from the others, the key to starting to develop that consistency. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Same principles applied. Um, I think there was one. Uh, there was a two-week period where I kicked five against Fitzroy and five against Sydney Swans, and obviously Swans were down at the time. So um, Schwabby kicked me in the boots after the game. He said, at this rate, if you average five a, five a, five a week, mate, you're going to kick 100. Um, so <laughs> didn't quite eventuate that week. But, we had, <laughs> that, yeah, I had a couple of good weeks that that, 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 that phase. But um, I, I think, and even Schwabby was terrific as well. Um, myself personally, yeah, carried on from the year before. Didn't win as many games as you said. And if all was enough supply or you weren't kicking as many goals the year before. Um, but I think, again... It gave games into myself and Wayne Campbell and I think Stuart Maxfield started to play games under Yabby as well, coming through the under-19s. And so you started to have a, a doses of players coming in. Um, that's what I mean by understanding the list. And then, you know, there was a bit of a realisation that year. Hang on, there's, there's, there's not just three kids here. There's probably seven, eight, nine or ten here that can help us, you know, take us to the next step and the next wave. And then, um, yeah, then we can talk about some of the, the, the moves that were made in the next in the next eighteen months, that actually helped us, but I think that was a real platform year um, of understanding from the club's point of view um, who's going to be able to take us into the finals and, and who isn't. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so the um, so as you discussed the issues with um, the health issues with Yabby and that, so the club and Jeans part ways after one year, which was unfortunate. And um, you sort of explained the impact it had on yourself and, and the playing group. Uh, along comes John Northey, who takes over from 1993 to 1995. Mm-hmm. And we see a, a vast improvement in the results on the field. Um, so mm. just explain what type of impact did John have upon the playing group upon his arrival when you sort of discussed those 18 months, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, and whilst Yabby had all the respect... <laughs> Um, or KB in our young blokes, we we obviously idolise these 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 coaches. So KB, yes, a lot of respect. Yellen Jeans, yes, a lot of respect. But also Swooper as well, because don't, don't forget, like he he was he was going pretty well with Melbourne at the time. And so 
what Sweeper brought was he was very relatable to the players. Um, he, he liked um, to be straight down the line, but he also liked a bit of fun. Um, you know, it wouldn't be anything for him. And then he had his sidekicking Graham Bergen, 1967 Premiership player for Richmond, who was just a character. So he would be one who'd bring the boys together and share a bit of a laugh or just really break it up apart away from footy. And so he started to build this mateship within the group and within the gym. And so it became more than just playing football. Here we are, young men, starting to learn about um, maturity and, and, and everything comes up. And then you've got this, this fellow who's going to straighten us right up. Um, and what, one of the smartest things he did, we, we had money booked for a football trip. And um, I think we were going to Thailand, I, I think, at the time. Sweepers come in and said, no, 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 we're not going. And you could imagine that. What? I've gone on a footy trip because <laughs> you want to get away. He said, no, no, that money's going into a training camp and we're going to the Gold Coast for 10 days. Now, that was one of the best 10 days I've had in my life because what he what he enabled us to do then was, was share each other's company. Um, we enjoyed um, some nights out, which was really good fun. But then the next day at six o'clock, we were up training every morning on the beach, swimming in the ocean together. Uh, and then he'd break it up and we'd have a beer in the afternoon, team meetings later on. So he, he blended in a, a real sense of, because Sweeper being a Ballarat boy too, he brought a real country feeling um, to, an, to, to what was not yet an elite um, um, scenario as, as what we see today. So, uh, you know, all of us had to work. And all of us had to study. It, the game wasn't fully on pro professional as it is today. So Swoopy just eliminated some of the mundaneness, if that's such a word, and made it much more enjoyable, much more fun, and really, you know, galvanised a young group of men to, to, to play consistent footy, uh, more so for each other. And he had this, you know, he did have this us versus them mentality. So whether it was the media or whether it was oppositions or... Carlton Collingwood, he wanted to make it us versus them, and you know, for the majority of the time, it, it worked for the for the group as for, for the group as a whole. But yeah, we we, you know, as a young group of men, we 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 loved playing on the sweeper. He, he was terrific, and yeah, last one, we'd go on a state trip, and <clears throat> you, we might have played Adelaide in '93 and Modras kicked 13 or, or something stupid, right? And so we've had a bad day. Sweeper organised Graham Bergen to go and get you know a slab of beer put in the middle and say, right, boys, what happened? And really just make it simple and talk about, and I'm not talking about it had to be about alcohol or beer or anything, but it was a real way of getting together. Don't worry about it. We'll move on together. Um, I'm in your corner. Let's keep moving moving ahead. So, um, yeah, he, he, was, he was a ripper. Uh, AJ, you gone? You gone? Yeah, you, you destroyed the rhythm, CB. Yeah, I do that. <laughs> In 94, we put together a pretty good season, but just missed out on the finals by 6% to the bloody pies. Um, how frustrating was it? And that had to be fuel. Uh, sorry, for 94. So that had to be fuel for 95. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that was the growth again because... Chris Bond joins the club and does an exceptional job um, as an on-baller. So I think 95, we started to establish who was going to do the role for us in certain areas of the, of the game. 
we have a ruckman in Greg Deer, you know, starting to be really at the end of his career, but really influential. Paul Broderick joins us. And we now know that we've got Maddie Knights to rely on and Paul Broderick in the middle and Stuart Maxfield on the wing. Uh, Nick Daffy comes in uh, and is another half-forward flanker. Benny's starting to really mature. You know, Benny, when he first started, Benny Gar was a skinny kid, but, you know, by, the, by 93, 94, he's, 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 a, he's a monster um, that can be second foil for, for Greg Deer. So, um, and, of course, his brother joins us. Um, and, and Scotty Turner's really come on by then as well, who's a big brute. Uh, so we sort of start to understand 94, hey, hang on a minute, this is now serious. We start, we've got a serious footy team that we can be competitive and, and we start to play against, I think we beat West Coast that year at, at um, Princess Park, if that's what I could call it. Uh, you know, so we start to beat take some big scalps and then that's where the belief starts to come, but not only individually in our own performance, but actually as a team. And you look around on the park and say, oh, I know Bondi's going to, um, he's going to beat Dean Kemp and even Nathan Bauer. We know Nathan Bauer can beat Peter Matera. And hang on a minute, now we've got Scotty Turner down there who we know can beat whoever's there forward at the time, Stumich, for example. So that's where we start to mature and say, no, there's something here. And, and obviously that, that sort of launched us into the following year in 95. We, Mentally, we were ready to, to really believe in ourselves and, and, and move forward. Go for it, CB. So we do finish the uh, season in the third spot on the ladder with 15 wins, the highest we'd finished um, in your time at the club. What was the feeling like playing such a good brand of footy and locking in your first finals appearance? Well, yeah, it was one of, as I just said, the end of 95, there was that belief and... I don't think we've ever trained as hard as what we did in pre-season 94 going into 95, and I'm talking about hard gut running together as a group. And so I reckon when we got there, and you know, obviously we started the year 10-1, 11-1, something like that. That Was the um, was that the year that you smoked what... North Melbourne in the first quarter? It was 95 the year yeah, 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 yeah. Edwards got hold of them and um, touched them up? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... That, that, not only the mental side of things, the belief that we started to have and we knew we could do it, we also were super fit as a young group of men. Like, we were super fit then. So to go 10-1, I think we we had a bit of a dip, but we knew, no, we weren't definitely playing finals. Like, we we had our eyes right on playing playing finals very early on in the piece. So to make it was like, no, no, we're here, we're here. But it was only Deary who'd really played finals before. Maybe Michael Gale may have had a final at Fitzroy. I'm trying to think of others. There wasn't many who played finals, so we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know. Um, we'd never played finals before. Uh, we drew North Melbourne. We were reasonably competitive by the day. I think we, we probably lost by 14, 15 points, something like that, if that if you've got the numbers in front of that, you. That 30 um, points and you get three. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but thanks for mentioning it. <laughs> um, was it 30 in the end? It felt yeah. a lot closer that night. Didn't Kerry um, get hold of us at the end of the game? It was tight. And then... Well, we'll, we'll see. Someone like Duncan Callaway was, was a freak. Like, he, you know, Duncan wouldn't mind me saying this. And we'd say he, he wasn't the best kick, although when we have a laugh, he'd say much better than what we all gave him credit for. Um, but his concentration powers were elite. And I remember that day he held Kerry for three quarters and Kerry just went bang, bang and exploded as, you know, a champion player that he was. But 
Um, yeah, that that was one that that got away from us again. But but I, you know, if you ask me again, I would say no. We lost by a goal or two, and we ha- we were probably ahead of them early on in the third, halfway through the third. Um, that was my recollections of the game, anyway. Um, but Kerry just stomped on us towards the end. People seem, seem to forget too with that with that team in '95. There was three, with about half a dozen state representatives. You had Callaway. Knights Campbell for Victoria. You had Bullis, Daffy, Rogers for South Australia. Um, Maybe tape as well. Yeah, sticky. Yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we had that, that. That tells people that the squad was up and about. Like that tells you. And then, if you include the Allies, you would have had Butch, Benny, and others. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think. Um, I think just, you know, we mentioned Hoggy before. Unfortunately, Hoggy gets traded and we get a couple in from Fitzroy. And I think the list management was pretty astute to get what we needed to make the group. Yeah. Um, I, I go back another step to it, if, if you don't mind, fellas. Um, I think what really galvanised heading into 95 as well was we were very um, fortunate to play in an exhibition game against Carlton uh, at the Oval in London. Yeah. And so That's to nice. spend... Yeah, to spend 10 days together over there was such a great experience for us young blokes and um, to rub shoulders with Carlton as well. We had social time together. Like that that was and Swoop was right in the middle of that. Um that that was that was super fun. That really galvanized the group together as well. I'll I'll give you a story, Chris, and you can confirm or deny this. In the Jeff Hogg trade, is it true that we gave Fitzroy Part of the, the, the we're doing a redevelopment and we had some nets at the back and we gave Fitzroy oh. some old goal nets or something as well with Jeff Hogg. Was that part of the deal? Oh, I don't know, but I've heard something like that before. <laughs> I, I've got no idea, like no idea. But I have yeah. heard someone as recently as the last 12 months tell me that was I, I seriously, I've got no idea. <laughs> I reckon, I reckon Wayne bizarre. Campbell shared that um, anecdote somewhere. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. Wayne, if you're listening, yeah. I'm coming to throw you under the bus. <laughs> uh, before we get to the next one, Adrian, just in chat, wanted to ask you, Chris, how did you manage to kick so many goals from the forward pocket close to the boundary line where the ball would bounce through? Too many times to just be a fluke. Um, and there was yeah, one in particular I saw uh, today against Geelong where it was a- alleged to be a centering ball and it just kind of drifted in nicely for you. Um, I suppose I had to steer him in because I didn't want to get abused by my teammates for, for not centering the ball. I'd had a habit of not centering the ball and trying to kick the goal myself. So um, that's the first one. Oh, look, no, I, 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 was, I was quite confident on both sides of my body. So I felt if I was hemmed, I didn't have to reverse around onto my right. So I generally just back me kick in and get the angle right. And um, it's one of those things that you do when you're mucking around with your mates um, even before training or after training. Um, but in game game time, you just back yourself in to do it, particularly if you know that you're competent on both sides. So um, that's my that's my reason, I guess. I, I, I hope most times they'd go in. Sometimes I didn't. And uh, Not enough people. That's the music with the boys. Not enough people are uh, uh, adept on both sides these days. On a scale of one to ten, Nation, no. with the goals we missed on the weekend, how many of those would you have actually slotted? 
<laughs> oh, in, in any game. Um, oh, look, my, my sort of CB response to that was I was big on technique. Like, I was really big on technique. And so for, for a little bloke, you know, I played at 171 centimetres and 70 kilos, right? So you had to be very competent in a few things. I felt skill. I had to be really, really confident. Um, so I'd practice all the time, but technique for me, and I watched the game today and mm -hmm. I go, there just hasn't been enough art forming with technique with a lot of shots that you see. Now, you can talk about the breeze, you can talk about the crowd, you can talk. The reality is the technique is just not quite right, I don't think. Every, every weekend I'm in my mate's shed, right, and we're watching footy. And we have the same old man rant every weekend. Blokes lying up for goal and they're spinning the ball before the, and then they go. It's like, how can you actually line things up correctly if you're just flipping and spinning the ball and then going and having your shot? But I don't recall Tony Lockett doing that too often, mate. Just saying. No, no, no. And he's a pretty good, pretty good person to look at technique. And one of the areas that I talk about with technique is look how far he drops the ball from his hand to his foot. The, the the room for error is very, very minimal. He almost places placed the ball on his foot. Um, and so I think that's the technique that pretty much need to be designed. I had a very simple theory when I was shooting for goal. Um, if your body's straight, your legs are straight, you're holding the ball straight, which goes to your point about flipping the ball around, and you run straight as if you're kicking in the park with your team, with a mate, and your mate is the goal umpire, Generally, you're going to kick it to the goal umpire if you practiced enough. Forget about the goals, forget about the crowd, forget about the opposition and maybe some of the abuse that you copped, particularly back when I played. Um, that were my um, pretty much my per that was my perfect routine to, to kick goals. Some would call it abuse, Chris. Some would call it free advice. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's too yeah. much sports science these days stopping the players from doing all this extra training and to nail down techniques and stuff like that. It's getting out of hand. Just get back to basics. Get the weightman on the sports scientist rant, mate. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned, well, we also spoke about the, the loss to North Melbourne in that uh, that first final. What did the playing group do during that week to regroup and shift your focus to the Essendon game? I think, obviously, not too dissimilar, well, in terms of reviews, the areas that we might have needed to improve on and why the game got away from us late. I can, I can remember that that review. Um, but I guess, like, you, you move on pretty quickly, and then we obviously had to prepare for North Melbourne and start to think of matchups. And it was more about matchups back then than, than set play uh, than what we see today. So um, I, I think the areas that were highlighted was, boys, you can win. You can win a final. You know, like what we did against North Melbourne, we just let them go. I think maybe Brett Allison kicked a couple of goals late. Um, Carey certainly played well. So we, we had to tighten up on a few areas. Um, but that gave us um, some understanding of what was good exposure for us to play in front of um, a Richmond-like crowd as well, which is, you know, it was pretty noisy. Um, we had some great home and away games in 94 and 95 with big crowds because the crowds started to come back during 94 mm -hmm. and 95 to, the, to, to watch the Tigers because they were starting to watch something and then um yeah that that sort of held us in good stead against Essen but you wouldn't have thought so at half time would you boys we uh, well, we four goal five goals down I think at half time it was looking a little bit grim but then 
you know, come out in the second half and it was a totally different story. We went by 13 points and I think that semi-final, I've seen a few people in the chat mention it already is one of their favourite Tiger games of all time. So, and EJ's another one. It's, um, I think it's just, and CB just is very fond memory for a lot of people that game. We're fossils, Chris. <laughs> true, true, true story, Chris. I remember being in a pub in Terrelgan and it must have been three quarters Essendon, one quarter Richmond. And for that first half, it was unbearable. They absolutely stuck it to us. And then once you boys got rolling, those pricks were nowhere to be seen when the final saw them. They were gone. So all that abuse and shit we copped for the whole game, they were nowhere where we just really wanted to drive it home. And I've always been bitter about that. As they, the, the dogs walked. Well, it, didn't it, a chance. well, do you know what? Playing out on the ground um, that day, it, I suspect... Um, that's why the Tiger faithful was so bloody loud in the second half when we started to get on top because they would have copped a ribbing. I've had so many people tell me they were at that game. They say exactly the same thing. Um, but the noise level in the second half when we skipped and got in front was just amazing. It was it was like, you know, like we've experienced recently watching Richmond play grand finals. It was like that in that final. It was just, it was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Sorry, Brennan, Brennan Gale brings up at half time. He said because it, it was a really, really hot day, and Essendon went into that game with a couple of um, blokes that were, were a bit unfit. They were a bit crook, and yeah. the story has it that Gale identified that they looked out in their feet at half time, and he sort of gg guys up and sort of said, "Look at these guys; they're cooked." Basically, I won't use the exact language he was using, but they're cooked. We've got a chance here. Is there any truth to that with Benny? Uh, I think I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get. Benny, all the credit there. He's copped enough credit lately for the Tigers. <laughs> I'd like to start to share around. No, no. Oh, head um, Benny. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do remember there was that era of, hey, boys, there might be something in this that um, we're starting to run on top of the ground now because uh, they were all over us in the first half. We were nowhere to be seen and they were sort of spinning on their finger doing whatever they wanted to. Um, I guess we lifted our defensive efforts. And certainly Scotty Turner lifted his defensive efforts a fair bit. Um, illegally or not, boys, it didn't matter. We, he got, we got the desired result, right? So, um, and then, yeah, I, I can remember that being said. Who said it? I can't remember. But someone said, no, no, they look, they're down. They're down. And, and obviously, and like, if I could say, when, when, when Scotty has knocked out Gary O'Donnell and David Grenville, they are starting to hurt. And that's when we, that's when we just jumped all over them. So... Yeah, that was, that was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> now, in that game, you kicked two goals. I'm, I'm going to bring up a video here. Right on is... the 50-metre mark and over the top of the football. Many players, a hand pass by Bow, found Campbell. Campbell went by the cape and then hand passed it beautifully to the duck. Jaffe off the right half-back flank, kicked it down towards the wing, towards Burke. Punched away by Wanganine, Broderick's hand pass too big for Maxfield. A turnover, smoke and Joe Mercedes hand pass. Yeah, I watched Broderick here, he's still Alessio. He went through like a battering ram and lost the football to Knights. Knights now got a hand pass out to Campbell. Campbell no around on a sixpence and went bang. It's a worm yeah. burner, but here comes Harvey. Red Simon's there as well. Tapped on to Knights. Knights, Knights, Knights. Here we go, Gabba. Yeah. 
cups. It, it, oh. it just cuts at the pivotal moment. Of, yeah, of now, obviously, that... obviously, kiddies, um, we don't endorse that contact these days because we are protecting the head. So we're just we're just reminiscing. We're not endorsing it. No, no, but that, that was a that was an action packed clip. There was so much to unpack there. You got Paul Broderick nearly decapitating Alessio. Uh, Scotty Turner doing what he did best, but then uh, you strolling in and kicking the goal to bring it back to 12 points. The noise must have been phenomenal out there. Yeah, and that's, I think, uh, yeah, it was. I and mean, that was that was to get us within a, a couple of points. Thing. It was. It, the roar was, was amazing. Um, and you're right, that was very physical, that that piece of play. And um, to get on the end of it, I remember being in the boy, you see me tap it, I said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm kicking this, boys. I think Berkey went to Chris and said, no, nah, Berkey, you're not having it, I'm kicking the goal. <laughs> and then strolled in and kicked it. Um, the funny thing is that um, post-footy career, I, I worked for the non-for-profit with the AFL, as did a few of us, Nathan Bauer, um, Paul Broderick, <clears throat> and Steve Alessio started working with us. And so it was a fan, it was an unbelievable joke. We'd play that at work. In a team media, just just a just a rubbing me. Steve Lucio is such a wonderful person. Um, yeah, it was pretty good fun um, talking about that. But yeah, no, that that was a um, excuse me, a wonderful bit of play. And I just want to say for the younger viewers, Rex Hunt. I know he's had his issues over the journey of life, and he's very sick right now. And we, we wish Rex all the best. He is without doubt the best radio caller I've ever heard him on. He made every Saturday afternoon, particularly the talk back when blokes were half loaded on the cans afterwards, the, the sort of hour. Um, yeah. That mix of Bondi, Rex Hunt, Sam Newman, uh, probably even Chuck Walls in there as well, was just the most elite commentating you'll ever hear in your life. And I just, I miss it so much. I really do. Yeah. No, they were terrific, weren't they? He, he was a gun, Rex. He, but he had, how good was he at giving someone a nickname? Like, oh. he was the one who gave Nick Daffy the duck, right? Um, fella by the name of um, Rob Schaefer, um, you know, he nicknamed him the Biro. So Rob Schaefer played about 11 games for Richmond. He was the, the, the Biro, Schaefer Pens. Um, yeah, he, he, was, he was great, Rex. Loved him. Now, last one for me for a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, the prelim against the Cats didn't go our way. Now, we had Nick Daffy on a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned that he felt if the game was played at the G, that he firmly believes it would have been a fair show at, at winning that game. Do you share the same thoughts? Uh, not sure. <laughs> uh, I say that. Um, the data will tell you that Geelong loved playing Richmond and Gary averaged 11 goals against Richmond, no matter which ground he played at. Um, I, I think it would have helped. I think it would have helped, yeah, now playing at the G. Um I don't think it helped when Michael knocks out his brother Brendan. Michael kicks the other way, um, which we still he haven't laced really that out. Laced him. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, we, we obviously love playing at the G, and and, and that was our home. Um, I just, I just, just Geelong were just. No matter what we did, they always had our measure at the time. Having said that, what I will say though, if we had had Carlton, no matter what, I reckon we'd have, we would have beaten them that year in a prelim or a grand final. We didn't get there, I know that. But we knew that we could have Carlton measure, but Geelong, psychologically, it just was something at the time that we just couldn't get over them. Um, and there was many years where Richmond did not beat Geelong. I think there was a streak of about 
I don't know. I, I'm making it up, but it's something like ten or twelve years where we couldn't get over Geelong at all, no matter where we played them. So, um, yeah, give us calm, don't you, bugger it. Oh, but you keep talking about Geelong and start rocking back and forward. Um, <laughs> I'll put on a dusty tape. I need, I need a dusty 2017 pre- <laughs> finals tape. So. Trent Cotron blind turn. Kick a goal. <laughs> oh. Oh. Remarkably, at the end of '95, John Northey leaves the club. And Robert Walsh took over for the last couple of years with a little bit of uh, unleash the geese at the end. More coaching disruption, more coaching disruption, more coaching disruption. It just has to. We're on this trajectory. It has to, mm. it has to have an effect. And it what, sounds like what I will say is, as well. Yeah, what I will say when we lost that prelim, we went out to a pub in Richmond, and we had a good night together. But, but we made a pact to each other. It's ours next year. Like, I've given you a bit of the journey about building from 93 to 92 to 93 to 94 and that self-belief and, you know, perhaps with one more player to the group, you know, let's do it next year. We're going to, no matter what, we're going to prepare like we've never prepared before. Uh, we get along with the coach really well. Let's We're going for this. We can, we can actually win it. And that's sort of, um, that's sort of some of the belief that we started to have as a group. And then, I think it was the next day, that Sunday night or Monday morning, it broke. That Swooper, um, there was talk, and then I think it blew up Monday afternoon was Tuesday. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was. It was a huge, um, it was a huge um, disruption to the momentum that we'd started to create. Um, despite you know, KB Yabby, now Swooper, we felt. We felt we'd had the chemistry, as I've already said today, about having the right plays in the right spots. Being at that age as well, we're all at that age now. We're starting to get to 23, 24, where you're just about to peak. And you're starting to really understand the coach and his expectations. So I, I reckon I reckon if you ask most players, I don't know what, what they've said to you on the podcast, but most would have said, you know, yeah, pretty pissed off at the time that we couldn't have the same consistency to, to continue that momentum. And, of course, as a player, you accept the decisions and you move on, as I said earlier with KB. But that one for us was a bit of, hang on, what, what's going on here? Um, we thought we had something pretty special. <clears throat> and then, obviously, with Warsey coming in, it was a bit like um, the chemistry was different. There just wasn't that same feel as what we had from the from the previous coach. And um, unfortunately for Robert, it, it didn't work out. And then, yeah, and then Jeff comes in, but then... Then Jeff gets rid of him. The club gets rid of a few players as well that started to build from 93, 94 to 95. And Stuart Maxfield, myself, Chris Bond, Jamie Tape, a lot of that young group, um, you know, that are building, growing up together and were great mates together. And what I will say, not only were the players great mates at the time, the players' girlfriends and the wives really had this really strong connection as well. And that the girls would go out for dinner together, they'd have a lot of fun together. So Unfortunately, that started to be split up, um, and 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 the rest is history, I guess, as, as to what the outcome was of, of keep turning over coaches. I will, I will say this: there is a game you can watch it on YouTube. That game against at the end of '97 at Optus Oval, Princess Park, whatever you call it, against Carlton. Um, we yeah, that's the Unleash the Goose game. If anyone wants to watch an absolute fr- the ferocity of the contest of that game. Because Carlton had to win that to keep their finals hopes alive. 
That is an absolute brutal, brutal game, but one of the best games of 90s footy you'll ever watch. It's um, mm-hmm. it's on YouTube. You can watch it, uh, and it's just – it's unreal, actually. It's, it's, a, it's a great, great game for you. You're a fan mm. of watching old retro stuff. Yeah. Um, what I will say though, um, <clears throat> despite, and I've seen a couple of comments come through about the bad management at the time. Um, I, I remember going back to the rooms after 17 with Benny, and uh, we knocked into each other, and then I was with my wife, and then we, he just had to pick something up from the club before I think the group went over to, to the Hilton. And he actually said to me that night, he said, so, mate, the turmoil that the club went through when we were at the club, whether it was Save Our Skins and then, you know, young blokes grew up and then we played together, but then we had so much instability, he said, under my watch, that will never happen. And so you can see why there was sustained sustained success since 17 um, because he has that mentality that he's been there when it was down, he's been there when there was those decisions made and he knew what it did to the playing group. And um, I guess that's why you see now, obviously with Dimmer leaving, but there's still that stability there because he's coming out and saying, we'll find the right coach for the players and, and all that. So yeah, I, I, I love what he said that night because you knew that the club was in certainly great hands and I mean, he's continued on to be a great administrator. Yep. So your career ends in uh, 1999, unfortunately, at Port Adelaide with some hamstring issues. So tell us a bit, what did you get up when your career finished? What did you get up to? What what have you done post footy? Yeah, so I, I obviously, um, uh, we had, um, my wife and I had, Patrick was born over in, um, in South Australia in January 99. And um, yeah, I, I was just, uh, the beauty about Mark Williams, he said to me, man, I, you're not going to go on. So this will be your last year. Um, but I'd encourage you to go out and explore um, employment opportunities. And if you find something, I'll give you that flexibility to do more work than come to the club because I'm not going to play you because um, he'd rather play Peter Burgoyne and, you know, all these young guys, and and, and rightly so. Um, <clears throat> so I worked for a, the, the non-for-profit, the AFL, just for a day a week over in Adelaide and then AFL Sports Ready. And then I stayed on with with them for, for another 15 years, moved back to Melbourne, um, had four children, um, and I did coaching at, uh, and director of coaching at Scotch College in the APS for 15 years. So oh, yeah. uh, helped establish their Indigenous program there. Um, and as I actually helped establish the uh, Indigenous employment with, with AFL Sports Ready as well, uh, just love that the the employment side of things, and then um, and working at Scotch was was great, and seeing a Surioli come to the school and watch him as a year nine, and um, Nathan Jakura. So there's a lot of Liam Jones. So there's a lot of um, and there's a current batch playing now: Darcy Byrne Jones and uh, <clears throat> Jack Billings and Jake Kelly, and a number of players still playing the game. So really enjoyed my involvement there. Um, I then went on and um, was CEO of the Reach Foundation, which was the company that, <clears throat> excuse me, Jim Steins founded. Um, so I had a real dedication and empathy um, to want to give back to the community when, when I finished, and that was another opportunity to do that. So I did that for, for three or four years, and, and now um, I've got my own little um, business helping uh, the elderly and their families find aged care and navigating through the maze 
and the complexities and probably the listeners out there probably all had their their fair share of um, not understanding the, the full system and the process and how it works. So it's not just me. I've got a team of people who've worked in the industry and are experts at, at what they do. So, again, it's making a difference to those people who may be in a vulnerable position and giving them the opportunity to find the best homes for themselves. So um, <clears throat> that's pretty much been my career post, um, post-footy, gents, yeah. So did you hire Paul Broderick at Sports Ready because he's been there for a while as well? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, Nate, I worked with Nathan Bauer there as well. I got Nathan Bauer to the company. Um, I actually and, did a... Uh, probably, probably. I did a placement for Sports Ready at um, you remembering secondary in the Stingrays. It was a great program. You ended up with a Cert 3 in the Sport got, and yeah. Recreation. And yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, no, no. It's a great little program. Now, you've obviously had... Um, Patrick come through through the club, played the nine senior games with us and 11 at the Eagles. Uh, and in more recent times, Charlie made his debut in the VFL as the 23rd player and still doing some good work at the Northern Knights. How are they both going, first and foremost? And you must be extremely proud of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I've got Patrick and and and, uh, and Charlie's had a bit of a run at, at the Tigers. So, yeah, so Pete was I, – I, Patrick got to Richmond at the wrong time for him. Um, because he's always going to be a, like a slow developer. And uh, he was a skinny kid when he arrived and started to put on beef towards the end of his tenure at Richmond. <clears throat> but the Tigers, as we know, under uh, under Dimmer's watch, uh, played very mature bodies in terms of uh, McIntyre, you know, Camden on the wing and, 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 and in recent times Marlon. So there wasn't that opportunity for Patrick really. Uh, um, so he's probably a bit stiff to, to not uh, have the time. Richmond... I said to many people, Richmond didn't have the time to invest in young blokes because they just win flags. It was a good position to be in. Um, but for a young bloke, you, you know, sometimes you need time. So um, now P's doing really well. He's working in he's working for um as a sales rep for Kookaburra. Um and so he's in he loves his cricket as well. So he's doing really well um post footy and young Charlie's finishing off year twelve. Um I think he's gonna finish off the school year at Ivan Grammar. The next few weeks, but I think the Tigers have got one or two games penciled in for the VFL as well. Um, and just yeah, the experience that he's gained in that first game that he played a few weeks ago, he, he loved it. And um, yeah, let's let's see what see what happens. No, it's good to hear about Pat as well doing the, the sales stuff too. Um, what have you, we were talking a little bit before we started about, I suppose, the club in recent times. What have you made of the club's recent success? Um, and where do you see the Tigers going this year? Oh, this year, uh, <clears throat> I guess <clears throat> the coach has gone pretty well. I, I think, I think uh, Minnie's uh, applied himself really well. I, I wouldn't be, I don't think anyone would be disappointed if, if he was appointed as the coach. Um I think it's an opportunity to to perhaps. I mean, you're still on the we're still we're still on the fringe now. We if we win another, I think we we're chatting earlier, gents. We're, we're still a chance. Um, so the opportunity to maybe play more, give more games to Judson Clark, and see there's a couple of kids that they've played in the last few weeks, which has been really healthy. So they're blending some some kids into the team. Uh, the, the the big backman Young looks a good type. Um, I, I'd like. You know, be interesting to see the Tigers now with if Gibbs, if Gibkiss was fit, and obviously Lynch is not in in the team at the moment. So you wonder whether you make the finals, whether you're gonna 
have a huge impact with not having everyone available with, mm-hmm. say, a Tom Lynch not there and, and say, Gibkiss coming through. Um, so you wonder whether it's worth making. I mean, you, you obviously have a crack to make it. There's no question about that. But I'd like to see it build for next year and, and, and the coach is doing a good job and whether they appoint Mini or not, that, that's up to the club. And then I think there's a really good blend of kids coming through now. As I said, young, Gibkiss, Daniel Rioli is still very young. Like he's played three flags, but he's still young. Liam Baker's a young star. Like, wow. So you know, we're going to lose Koch and in time and, and and Jack and you know Dusty won't play forever. But there's not a bad batch of kids coming through. And Jay Bolton's proven himself to be 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 a, a star. So um, I, I think, despite everyone saying that the Tigers have dropped off the the perch and they're getting old and they're going to bottom out, I don't think that's the case. I think. Um, adding the boys from GWS will only help to the depth, um, bring some more kids on, and they're not in a bad position. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, EJ and CB, any other questions for Chris? Did you really eat, did, did you eat fish and chips every Friday night at KB's place? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good question, yes. He loved it. So I'll go with look, you you're welcome back onto the MCG as a homecoming hero back in um round sixteen, two thousand and eighteen. What was that moment like for you just to come back in and be presented again in front of the Tiger Army? Particularly when we we're up and about, you know, the crowds were big. How'd you find that? Yeah, pretty cool. No, no, it's a great thing to do. Um <clears throat> one of the one of the best thing is 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 you're there with your family. Um, my immediate family, my kids and my wife. But then also I reckon at the time a couple of my brothers come down and they brought their kids down as well. So it was like um was reflecting to the to the good old days when your family would come to the family footy and, and, and watch you play. And then obviously with the, the Tiger Faithful, um, yeah, pr- pretty special. And so I, I think it's a it's a great thing to do for the club to recognise um past players in, in that sense, but also it's great memories. It's great memories for the crowd. It's great memories for the player and it's great memories for, for, for their family. So, um, yeah, and I can only speak highly of that experience. I really enjoyed it. I think I kicked the goal too. It was only two metres out, so I think I got it through. The hamstrings held out, did they? <laughs> You're right, EJ. A few of the boys on the weekend would have missed that one. Jesus, an absolute hell. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, before we finish up, we may as well do a quick little thought on what we're going to do in the Hawthorne game this week, Chris. We've obviously got the Hawks this week. Another another must-win game for the Tigers. How do you see us going into that one, and what do we need to do to get the four points? <clears throat> I, um, I should have said earlier, I mean, Soldo hasn't played a lot of footy since he went up flag with us and so to see him run around on the weekend i think's just great i think i i think he's a, i think he's a terrific player um so I, look i think if, if the tigers approach um i'd say business as usual with their natural competitive way they go about it um oh, i can't i can't see him losing to hawthorne really given that what's at stake coming up with if if the cards fell our way, a potential finals berth. You always want to have a crack, as I said, to, to make finals. So um, I can't see us losing. Uh, I think it's great that Soldo's 
um, playing as much as we love Nank. You then you then expose Soldo, who does just as good a job. Um, but but I just love seeing the development of, of, of Young and um, you wonder whether players like Sonsi get another game now, who played well in the VFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you throw him in again just to see where where he's at. Um, but uh, no, I think I think the Tigers get the job done. And the other thing I love seeing, boys, I don't know about you, but someone like Trent Cochin is still playing great footy. Oh. Uh, and Dusty's having such a, a great year. So when you've got those guys going, you're a chance, aren't you? So um, I've said a few times. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And at the start of the year, we said that like you couldn't blame Dimmer for doing the Koch and Dusty up forward kind of experiment to see where it landed. But there's no coincidence that we've improved our footy with Koch and Dusty back in the guts where they feel most natural doing their thing. Uh, and while Koch doesn't have the same yard of pace that he used to, he's still got pretty good hands, good vision. He cracks in 100 mile an hour and um, that kind of stuff's invaluable. Absolutely. No, it's his t- you just love his tenacity. Um, so, yeah, no, let's smash the Hawks, eh? Let's do it. And uh, EJ, your man behind you, I'm looking forward to Noah Bolter versus Mitch Lewis. Uh, Lewis is one of the uh, very, if very good right here, for the Hawks. If I stay right here, I've got really good guns. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> How do you reckon yeah. Noah's going to go on Lewis there, EJ? Oh, look, if he plays like last weekend, uh, unbelievable. I, I, don't, I, haven't done, I didn't do the stats tonight because we had Nathie on and we don't sort of do as much in-depth dive, but he's... He had a stupid number of intercepts, and Rioli was amazing was on halfback as well. I think um, Rioli went at like ninety three percent or something like that, and it just licensed to run, just crazy yeah. good. Yeah, and I think yeah. um, I think a definite change this week is that Mansa will come in because he was fantastic in the VFL on the weekend. Right, right. But and what, CB, not, not... was that sorry, Chris. Yeah, he's a star, Noah Bolter. Like, <laughs> well, I, I don't a... think he get. I don't think he gets a recognition beyond Tiger fans. I, he's an out now. Just he's Alex Mans the second, isn't he? Is, oh. is all Australian too much of a word to throw around at this point in time? I wouldn't have thought so. He just attack- I just I love that he's seemingly been given a license to just attack, just do your thing. Mm. Um, and he is playing mm. with super confidence at the moment. It's so good to mm. see. Mm. I, I, I'd like to run a um a poll. Who does the double cobra better, Noel Bolter or Tyrone Vickery? Tyrone used to do a very good double cobra. Just want to put that out there. And I think my picture behind me of Noah Bolter is superior to EJ's picture of Noah oh, Bolter. Oh, the brick wall. <laughs> you like it? Yeah, yeah but I've got better guns. I've got better guns. How was the poor West Coast player that got absolutely cannoned into by Bolter? He's jumped up to take a hanger. That was, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, wrong place, yeah. wrong time for him. But I think um, I agree with EJ. Uh, Mansell has to come in for Morris Rioli Jr., um, I think Hugo could probably do with a full game in the twos. Just come off the bench. He needs a, he needs a run. Um, and I wouldn't be upset to see uh, Sonzi or Brown actually come in. Brown's played some very good footy in the resis. Yeah. So I think you couldn't go wrong with either of those two to come in. Um, Nick is bought up. He reckons Short's ready to go. Coming off a hamstring, I reckon we'll need Short more against Melbourne. So I'd be reluctant oh, yeah. to bring him in against 
Hawthorne. But I think, yeah, look, just two changes in for this one. And if we lose this game against Hawthorne, EJ can spank me publicly on the next show. <laughs> oh, don't make promises. Oh, He's got a crook shoulder. He hasn't got a big back swing. I know. <laughs> and with that, we'll, uh, we'll get a final tip, including margin for this game. EJ, start with you, mate. Who's going to win and by how much? Oh, I think we'll win. I think we'll win well. Um, this might be the percentage boost we were supposed to have last week. Oh, stop saying I, things like that. Jesus. I, no, I reckon we'll win by about 42. Oh, I'll be happy with that. CB, you said, what did you say last week? You said something ridiculous last week. I said 102 points last week and it was a little bit ambitious. I'll concede. I think we'll only beat the Hawks by 90 points. So, <laughs> conservative. Rightio. And um, I'll just say this too. Uh, Dustin Martin, if we haven't discussed it, has been cleared by the tribunal. He will play next weekend. He hasn't been and cleared. He got the fine. And so did Pickett. Pickett got a fine for oh. McGovern running into him. But that's uh, another story from um, another night. Uh, and actually, who's going to win and by how much? Oh, Hawks by 30. 30 points. Hawks by 30. <laughs> <laughs> Richmond by 30. 30 points. 30 points. I'll say the Tigers by... Gents. I'll say the Tigers by 24. It's actually uh, the rivalry in our household with my wife and her family. They're all Hawthorne and we're all Richmond. So the two young fellas, I think, well, I know one of my boys will definitely be wearing Richmond. The other one is supposed to be wearing Hawthorne, but I don't think he will. I think he's going to rock out with his Noah Bolter Guernsey on yeah. and um, hopefully we can get the four points and I'll be sleeping on the couch. It'll be good. Good all around. <laughs> But uh, no, Chris Nash, thank you so much, mate, for for joining us tonight. I really, really appreciate your time and your stories. Uh, Thank you to Nick as well for organising this for us. Much appreciated. Um, Absolute superstar. Thank you for your time and and stories. Very, very much appreciated. No worries, Dan. Go Tigers. Thank you. Go Tigers. And quickly before we go, guys, uh, there will be Scotty Turner, I think, will be joining us on the 31st of July as well. So make sure... You tune in for the 31st of July for Scotty Turner. We'll have to find some Gary O'Donnell footage for that one for sure. I was going to say, there's only one clip we're playing that (laughs) (laughs) On a loop. On on loop, on loop. But uh, have a great night, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you again, Chris. Much appreciated. Have a good one. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And uh, until our next time, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Smash them, Tigers. Smash them.